Hey guys, what's up? It is Danielle and Jason. How's it going, everyone? With Kingdom Killers, and we are excited to have you guys back today. Uh, today we're going to talk about the topic of PTSD and addiction, and also how like alcoholism plays a role into like probably one of the most prominent addictions because it's more mainstream here in the U.S. because it's legal, etc. Yeah, I think that you're spot on when you say that because it's just uh it's so easy to get right it's not like illegal mm -hmm. either so it's kind of like uh an easy coping mechanism to get a hold of in mm -hmm. my opinion you know so especially if you're over 21 which most of us in general who suffer from it are over 21 yeah. In general, yep. especially in first responders, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. So last week we talked a lot about triggers and PTSD, and that's kind of going to like lead our way into this week because with PTSD, when you have triggers, that's like different um, signs, symptoms, sights, smells, locations, different things like that, that trigger your brain back into feeling like you are in the moment. Right. Um, so then your brain thinks, okay, I have to go into like the fight or flight stage. And we also touched on like the different colors of the stoplight on how um, first responders live. There's a quick recap where most people live, you're more like in the green. First responders are always in the yellow where they're always, um, you know, on edge kind of ready to act in a split second. Even when they're sitting watching TV, they're still in yellow and they will be in yellow for a very long time. Mm -hmm. And then the red, that's like when things are crazy, like we're responding to an intense call or let's see your life is in danger or something like that. Yep. Yeah, I think when we talked about it last time, it was that first responders and, and, you know, like military and all that, they live in the yellow, but it's the upper yellow, you know, it's basically orange. Can I say orange? Sure. If it's yellow and red. I guess. Cause you're like adding another light to the stoplight. Well, kind of <laughs> because it's always right there at the edge, mm -hmm. I think, because you're ready, like you said, you're ready to act and things like that, but you're like right at the spot that could trigger anything, mm -hmm. you know, could trigger you to go straight to red. So, yeah, I think it, maybe we'll just add that. That's our new little thing. Orange. orange. We're going to add orange. Yeah. Well, I remember we were pretty much always on orange when we would work. Oh, for sure. Like yeah. we're back there, like I would be preparing dinner for the whole team or all the things the next thing you know. And there's one time <laughs> I left because we ended up getting like a huge, I think it was like an assault call or something. Mm -hmm. And I think he had a weapon. So we all were like, you know, flew out of there. Right. Yeah. Um, and the fire department ended up having to come because the toaster didn't pop up my toast <laughs> that I was making for part of our meal. So then the fire came, we came back and it was smoking everywhere. And I was just like, uh, oops, but how would I have known? I know. That was yeah. when we had like the really janky toaster that was probably donated <laughs> 19 years prior. <laughs> but that's kind of a funny story. That is. At least no one was. Nothing was burned down, at least. Well, it was funny because, like, some of our admin that was working were like, Danielle, you have to make sure that you 
you know, watch your food. And I'm like, okay, sorry. Didn't know the toaster wasn't going to pop up. I turned off the, <laughs> I remember turning off the stove and we even had the oven going. I turned all those off. <laughs> but yeah, they're like, well, then, you know, after they said, Danielle, you need to be careful or whatever. Then they're like, well, I guess you could have done us a favor if you burned down the PD. Because <laughs> then we could have gotten a new one. And here we are like 15 years later and they still haven't got a new building. It's true. Which is sad. That's true. That's sad. Okay, we're That's off topic. topic. We're off topic. We're off topic. So we talked about the PTSD and what it is and what triggers are. And now I want to talk a little bit about addictions in general. So that's just when somebody um, uses a certain, um, what well, could be a drug. Yeah, it's a substance. It could be a substance. Yeah. could be alcohol. It could behavior. be a behavior like yeah. shopping addictions. It could yeah. be... Yeah um porn addictions it could be extra risky behavior yep. type addictions could be a lot of different things and why it's so prevalent and i'm going to explain a little bit about this but why it's so prevalent with people that are in ptsd is they tend to have more risky behavior and like to tiptoe around the right and wrong line because they feel so down and so sad and their brain wants to get happy and they wants to try something. They want to go to something where they know that maybe it's a little risky, but then that means I'm going to feel again. Oh, uh, yeah. No, that's that's a great point because like a lot of the things that when I was going, well, I'm still going through a lot of it, but like when I was at, I'll say like my lowest point when I could say that I ha I, I had to go get help for this. Um, I didn't feel any emotions. So like the only, really the only emotion I felt was anger. Um, which if anybody else is like dealing with that or only feels that, you know, that it's like a really strange, you don't even like, like yourself because you're just like angry all the time. And, but I can get why you would say people want to feel something because they are human and they're saying like, well, what, what happened to my joy? What happened to my happiness? What happened to love? What happened to any of these feelings? Mm -hmm. And they're gone. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I, that makes sense to me. And it's kind of interesting because a lot of people will then like, if you have PTSD, you're in a state of like, okay, I want to use the al the alcohol or whatever to escape things, mm -hmm. right? So, yeah. yeah, you feel that escape a little bit, but then you're like, well, what else can I do? What else can I add to it? What else? I'm My body, it's like somebody addicted to meth or whatever, right? So they want to keep getting the next high because it's never going to be as good as it was the first time you used it. Right. You know, I'm not speaking from experience, but from people that I've talked to and friends that had been addicted to different things like that, they're always like, we're trying to chase the first high that we had. Right. Like, it's never going to get that good again. Right. Right. But their brain doesn't understand that because what their brain remembers is the first high and how it felt. So they're continuously tracing it or chasing it, yeah. tracing, chasing yeah. it. So yeah, I get that. So typically most people though that that have an addiction have been through a traumatic event in their life in general. Yeah. 
I was yeah. reading up on this and doing some research on it. And it says um, whether they know it or not. So like maybe somebody doesn't even know they had a traumatic event in their childhood, but they're just more apt to, you know, using substance abuse or self-medicating um, to hide their feelings of fear, anxiety, and stress. And it's super easy. Well, it's super easy to turn to drugs right now. I mean, you could get it on really any corner, basically. <laughs> but I feel like it's more easy to get the alcohol because I feel like. Yeah, well, and it's socially accepted. Yeah. Right. So like if you're out with friends or anywhere like that, uh, that's why a lot of it can be like hidden or mm -hmm. masked, I yeah. should say, because it's it's social. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, well, you know, maybe this guy drinks more than us. But I mean, we're all here drinking anyway. But but, you know, he usually has one or two more than us. Right. Well, that could be because he's you know, that person is trying to like escape that feeling of the PTSD or the, or like whatever they're trying to deal with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I was um, reading up on the, it was U S department of veteran affairs. Cause they have a lot of stuff on PTSD because you know, that's good for veterans to have all Absolutely. that stuff yep. out. But as I was doing a lot of this research, um, they had said that following a traumatic experience, the brain produces fewer endorphins, which is one of the chemicals that make them feel happy. Mm. So people then turn, people with PTSD may turn to alcohol or other mood enhancing drugs, which increase the endorphin levels. And over time, they may come to rely on drugs to relieve all of their feelings of depression, anxiety, and irritability. Mm. That crazy. It is. And you know what, too? I was just thinking about this when you read that. Kind of like when you were talking about um, chasing that first high for mm -hmm. a lot of people. Your body is a magnificent thing. And it will adapt to whatever you put it through. Right? So, if, if it's used to, um, you know, like it's used to two drinks a night. But then a traumatic event happens and... Now you're turning to alcohol to relieve all that stress and pain and all that kind of stuff. And you start doing six or seven a night. Well, your body will get used to that. It will get used to processing that much alcohol. And then six and seven doesn't feel anything anymore. Now I got to bump this to 10 or 11. And then your body will get used to that. And then maybe that's just with beer. And then you say to yourself, well, I'm not getting the same effect anymore. So then you turn to hard alcohol. And then next thing you know, you're drinking a ton of like vodka or drinking, you know, rum or whatever. But your body will adapt to whatever you do to it. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the other scary part is you don't feel the same as the first few times because your body is such a great machine basically that it will adapt to whatever you do to it mm -hmm. and i was thinking of like another addiction i didn't say earlier but like gambling yeah gambling yeah. you're going to take more risks Risky. with your money yeah very good and like you know just speaking candidly here like if there's one area jason i really need to work on it's money management yeah true because like we've had times where we've had a ton in our bank 
And then we've had times where we're hitting the negative all the time. Yeah. Like there's really no like level of consistency. No. So we're, we just started on off topic. Maybe this is you too. And you could try this too. But Dave Ramsey has like a financial, is it a. It's Ramsey plus. Ramsey plus. Our church gave it to all of us, all of the um, congregation congregation for free. And it just teaches you about money. So we're, we're doing that right now because. We kind of like with both of our PTSD, we're like, oh, it's okay. Like, we're fine. We'll buy a big jungle gym in the back. It's half off. It's only, <laughs> it's only, what was it? Like, it's eight only grand. eight grand when it's usually like 20,000 or whatever. Yeah. So, like, we really have had to focus on that personally to make sure. Yeah, I would, I would say that too. And it's like, um, you know, it's, it, it's something where, it's kind of that risky behavior, but it's mm-hmm. also kind of like you feel like, well, I want to live in the now. Mm-hmm. I want to live in the moment. I want to live for today because unfortunately too, you think about a lot of first responders and how the, you know, the, the stress of the job and all that kind of stuff, like actually takes their life eventually mm-hmm. because they have heart attacks, they have strokes, they have you know, all these different medical things, medical issues. Um, and so like for a while, and sometimes I still do this, I always am thinking to myself, like, let's just live for today because tomorrow is not, tomorrow is not guaranteed to anybody anyway. But like, especially when you're seeing it and like, uh, living through it and that kind of thing, it's, it's like, just like let's live for today and like if we want to do this let's do it mm-hmm. you know which sometimes can be bad because it's it could uh not be that responsible right <laughs> right so <laughs> especially with us with three little kids at home so right. that's something we're trying to we're trying to really focus on right now because like we don't want to be like in the red and we don't want to be way in the green, but like, what's the happy medium? Right. You know, and some people are like six months in the bank and other people yeah. are like one month in the bank. And so it's like, <laughs> we need to figure out what's right for us. So that's something we're working on, you know, as well. But um, I also wanted to touch on when you have an addiction, like we talked about PTSD and their triggers. When you have an addiction, you also have different triggers. So let's mm. say you're trying to be sober right so cut whatever whatever it was right out of your life so you're going to probably have to change your friend circle you're probably going to have to change what you do on friday nights at 10 p.m let's say maybe that was your time or whatever let's say you're a stay-at-home mom and you're addicted to pills Mm -hmm. well then maybe you're going to have to get a job so you're not staying at home where you know you took your pill and you put it in your coffee Mm -hmm. like those are all things that we've seen and we heard of but the hard part um, with an addiction and then if you're adding in the PTSD is you have different types of triggers for each one of them. So you can see how they can relate to each other and go hand in hand because you have the PTSD, which is the mental health because of a, you know, more of like a traumatic event and you're using whatever coping mechanism it is, turn it into an addiction. Now they both have triggers, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And they basically like intertwine with each other and then they intensify the symptoms of both the disorders. So that's why it's so hard to like stop it at once, like once it started, 
because you have to treat the PTSD and you have to treat the addiction. But a lot of the things that they do are intertwined. Okay. Yeah. Isn't that yeah. like if you think That's, about it that way? Yeah. It makes sense too. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. So I was thinking about for me personally, um, I never personally really got have ever gotten addicted to anything in my life. There was one time when I had knee surgery and what was it? What did I have? Was it Vicodin? I don't uh, even remember. Either that or oxycodone yeah, or oxycotton or something like that. I don't remember what I had. But anyways, it was, you know, scheduled or whatever, yeah. which means that it, I can't just get it at the store. It has to be prescribed and it's a heavier medication a for those medication, that don't know. Yeah. yeah, like a pain med. And um, it was just the way that was just like my routine. My routine was get up, take one. You know, I wasn't working at the time because I was healing from a knee surgery, but that was just like how it was. That was how it was. And then one day he's like, do you really need that? And I'm like, I don't know. Like I, the doctor gave it to me. So I was like, okay, I should be using this. I can be using this because it's prescribed to me. It's not like I'm taking it from somebody else. So I should be doing what the doctor said to do. And when he said that to me, I remember thinking, I'm like, hmm do I need this? Like, do I really need this? So then I, I stopped, like I stopped having it from there. And I was like, Oh, I really didn't need it. I wonder how long I was on that and didn't need it. So that's probably a lot. Also, I mean, that's a totally different topic. Yeah. Prescriptions and all the things <laughs> yeah. that you're given. But I remember that. And then when I, in 19, when I left law enforcement, I was already really depressed and really down. And, um, I completely, and I wasn't in control of my emotions and I absolutely hated that because I, you know, I'm, was always in control of my emotions. Mm -hmm. And when I wasn't, I didn't want to be more not in control of my emotions. Right. So I stopped drinking for months because I was like, you know, I would come home and I would always have a glass of wine or we'd go on a walk and have a couple beers with the kids or whatever it was. And I just completely stopped it because I didn't, A, want to be more suicidal than I already was, right? Yeah. And B, just didn't want to have the opportunity of getting addicted to it because, and I think this is why, because I know that PTSD, when you have it, it's really easy to get addicted to the alcohol because you don't want to feel the things. Right. Yeah, you don't want to feel the emotions or the pain or yeah yeah interesting i know yeah so i think actually you're probably i mean maybe a rare case i don't know because like a lot of people probably would turn straight to alcohol or something like that to numb that feeling mm -hmm. you know whereas like you were consciously saying to yourself i'm not doing that yeah which that might be pretty rare, in my opinion. Yeah. You know? I was, when I was researching too about it, it was interesting that, I'm going to read this, so it might sound a little more like, but it's still at the VA, like their website or whatever. It says, women who have had PTSD at some point in their lives are two and a half times more likely to also have alcohol abuse or dependence than women who have never had PTSD. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Two and a half times more. Yeah. And then for men, it was two times more. So it's higher for women. Weird. I know. 
I thought that was kind of interesting because I would have thought it was the opposite, but I think about it like with the stress of the like family and the kids and all that, maybe that has something to do with it. Maybe women are, Jax is coming in here. Stop, buddy. Maybe women are maybe the people that are more victims of traumatic incidences. You know, maybe that has something to do with it. I'm not really sure. But it continued on and it said between six to eight of every 10. So it's like 60 to 80 percent of Vietnam veterans seeking PTSD treatment have also um, alcohol use problems, which I thought was interesting. And then it also said that war veterans with PTSD and alcohol problems tend to be binge drinkers. And they defined binge drinking as four to five drinks within like an hour to two hour time frame. And mostly you would binge because you didn't want to relive what happened um, as well. And it said veterans over the age of 65 with PTSD are at higher risk for suicide attempts if they also have drinking problems or depression. So I was like, this is seriously a huge problem, like in not just in the veterans, because lots of times most people like first responders can, um, they're like consistent with the veterans, um, like statistics here and there, like as I've been researching it and stuff, it's, it's been pretty consistent, but I will say that I believe, and this is me personally, I believe that there's way more cases of PTSD that are admitted on first responders, in veterans, because a lot of people don't want to come forward. It's like that old boy, good old boy club where it's like you don't reach out to anybody if you're struggling, like you hide it, you don't say anything about it. And that kind of just reminds me of why we're doing this, because it's a very, very um hard profession as a veteran and first responder, um, et cetera, to, to go through and try to manage without, you know, um, seeing tough and difficult things and using different things to cope and all the things. So I did want to go through like some signs and symptoms of different things, um, to look for. Um, if somebody is addicted or not just to alcohol, but different things. So like maybe pushing away their closest friends and relationships, being secretive about activities and unexplained injuries and accidents, maybe um, changing appearance or maybe like their lack of hygiene. That's a big one. Um, they could be going through different signs of withdrawal too. So like extra jumpy, um, sweating, trouble sleeping, depression. You can see all the things are coming together here, right? That can feel that way. So um, I will say like I wanted Jason at some point to talk a little bit about his, but our youngest just came in here. So I'm going to just continue, but he'll be, he'll be in here because I think it'd be really good, um, really good for him to explain kind of his situation um, with the alcoholism and different things like that. So, oh, he's back. He's back. I'm back. You're back. You're back. Okay. Sorry, guys. It's okay. Um, Jax is our youngest, so he just like broke through the door. Like, hey guys, I'm here. <laughs> Who's gonna take me to the bathroom? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sorry, I'm I'm back though. He's That's back. That's called he's real back. life. Okay. Things. Yeah. So I wanted you to talk a little bit about your alcohol use and how that's kind of been a struggle for our family within the last, I don't know, a couple of years, I'd say. Yeah. So I would, um, it's kind of hard to say like when 
it really started because I never, I never grew up drinking. So like there was no alcohol in my house. Um, like it was really frowned upon to have people drinking, um, that type of thing. But then I think probably when I started my job, um, I think I started to drink like socially with people and, and things like that. And then, um, you know, like I never really saw it as an issue because people were always drinking with me. It wasn't like I was sitting at home by myself or anything like that. And then, um, like fast forward. So whatever. So that's all going on or whatnot. And then, um, fast forward. And then I think, I think probably it would have been close to, I think George Floyd time. Well, there's a little bit before. Yeah. There was a little bit before that, um, where I was really starting to feel, uh, down and I, and I was starting to, Oh, I know. Okay. When I really think about it, I try to think about the reason. So anyway, <laughs> um, I started to work with kids more. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I started to work with kids, uh, in the schools and things like that. And I was having to work like a lot of the, the sex assaults that would be for like kids, um, like teenagers and, and things like that. And, um, and some of those cases were like, you know, getting to me. And so I didn't really realize it at the time, but then I was having kids at home, right? My own kids. And then also seeing like other people's kids getting assaulted or hurt or things like that. And so I think I started to let, um, trying to start, or I started to kind of cope with my problems as, or with alcohol. And so then I started to like, you know, drink until basically I would just go to sleep. And, um, that continued actually for a long time, um, for like a few, probably close to, well, I don't know, like six months or something like that, where it was that hardcore, like that it would, I would just like drink to go to sleep. And then during that time, Danielle was pretty much like, you got to get this under control. Otherwise me and the kids are out of here basically because I don't want them growing up around a dad like that. That was after George Floyd. Oh yeah. They kind right. of mixed together. Cause like your brain also kind of doesn't tell time that well. Well, so, it was before that too. This has been an ongoing thing for years yeah, for him. Yep. And so, so I stopped actually, I didn't have a drop of alcohol for like, you're right. That for, was before for, George Floyd. Yeah, for eight months. Mm -hmm. And then, um, then, but that was at my. Then that was my fault. Why? You were saying you would always say, "Well, I would like to relax, but I can't have a beer." Oh, like it was my fault that you had the issue, and yeah, I right. was the one policing you, and I was the one, and I'm sitting here like, uh, yeah, really, that's that's. Something it's that you shouldn't, yeah, you shouldn't put on people like that. But anyway, so then <laughs> we, so that all happened. And then, um, 
shortly after that, George Floyd happened, and then I just went straight back to my old ways, basically. Worse. Yeah, probably worse. The, there probably was, was worse. He couldn't. Can I say? Sure, go on. He couldn't like monitor, like he'd be switching from alcohol to beer to alcohol to beer. And there was one time we had people over in the afternoon and it was six o'clock and we had three kids at this time, right? It was six mm -hmm. o'clock and we were starting to get the kids ready for bed so then we could just hang out and be adults, right? And um, he passed out. He was throwing up all over our bedroom. All yeah. over the bathroom. Yep. All And I'm sitting here like, what? And then one of our friends actually helped me put the kids down because he wasn't able to do that. Yeah. Because of his addiction. I'd say it's an addiction. Yeah. Well, it was for sure using it as a coping mechanism. Yeah. Well, totally. Sure. But at that point, I just remember saying like, like, this is not how my kids are going to grow up. Yeah. This is not what they're going to see. Um, I'm not going to let them or think that I'm just going to let it be okay and let it keep going. Because he would get mean, too. Mm -hmm. Like, he never physically abused us or anything, but he would just get mean. And I'm sitting here like, uh, what? Like, he'd snap at the kids. He's, yeah. And I mean, I'm like, just can you just stop? Like then they would say stuff like daddy's so mean. Mm -hmm. Like daddy's so mean. Like why is daddy so mean? And I'm sitting here. I'm like, these poor children have no idea who their real dad is <laughs> because you're not mean. You're actually like the nicest, kindest person ever. But when you're going through all this PTSD without getting it treated, it turned you into a different human being. Right. And I remember saying like this, you're not who I married. Yep. Like you're not who you are. Yep. I remember that too. And I'm, and then I sit here and I'm like, okay, so <clears throat> what's going to give here? Like something's got to give. Cause a, I'm not going to live like that. I mean, like at all. He shouldn't. My husband shouldn't want to live like that. My children don't deserve to live like that. Right. But at the same point, I love him and I chose to marry him. And we believe in marriage and staying together and working through things. Um, but I mean, there was times where I've, I used the divorce word. I didn't say we're getting a divorce, but I said, if you don't figure it out, like that's exactly where it's going to go. Mm-hmm. Because I'm, and I was kind of on my high horse a little bit because literally it turned into him being a fourth child for me. And I didn't, I don't want a fourth child, nor do I want my husband who's supposed to be my teddy bear, my caretaker, all the things, somebody that I have to take care of. Right. And I say this with a little like aggressiveness because it's like still something we deal with, not, not as bad or anything like that, but it's just like a... It's um, it's it's a situation and a past that I just I don't like it. Well, I think too, it's it's a scar for you too. Oh yeah, you know. So like, I think even if it never happened again, like even if that scenario never played out that again or whatnot, mm -hmm. um, I think you would still be living on a little bit of an edge thinking, I don't want it to go back to there. Yeah. Well, I don't want to have to deal with that. 
Right. And if and if it ever gets to that point again, like Jason and I, we've had these conversations and, you know, I'm like, I am not happy with where we are. Yeah. Like his heart was so hard. It still is sometimes mm-hmm. like it's still something he has to work through. Like he's not the kind, caring, compassionate, like teddy bear. I mean, he's a big built guy, but. Thanks. Oh, you're Thanks. welcome. <laughs> um, but like he's, he's hard. Like he's, his heart is hardened. And that actually is something that um, you're getting all sweaty because you're talking about this yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, at church that somebody came up was it it was an altar call wasn't it mm-hmm. he went up there and got prayed for i don't know this was before october was before ago. you left it was before i left the pd it yeah. was probably a year ago ish yeah so yeah. he went up there and um one of the pastors came over and said i feel like i need to correct me if i'm wrong but like pray for you because your heart is very hard yeah it's almost something. like he had uh kind of like a word for me like God's telling me that um, he wants your heart to be softened again. Mm-hmm. So like to feel emotion again, to feel love, joy, patience, fruits of the spirit. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. But I mean, it's, it's a, I would say, honestly, the last and we're we're very vulnerable on we like are vulnerable on this mm-hmm. on this thing. Our like parents our, don't even know on this our stuff. Podcast, neither like, do like our siblings or anything. Now they'll know. Yeah, but it's part of it's. I mean, it's life. Yeah, it's your life. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, and so I think shoot, what was I going to say now? You're saying that we are vul- we're more oh, vulnerable. Yeah, but like honestly, the other day. Well, actually, I think truly our marriage has has been in a really good spot for the last two weeks. Yeah. I mean, honestly. I mean, I, I like you. Yeah, see? Like, <laughs> like, before a lot of that, even, like, it's just, it's tough times. Like, yeah. marriage is tough anyway, and then you throw in... PTSD and job changes and three kids and all these other different stressors. Marriage is hard anyway. And so, but I actually looked at Danielle the other day and I was like, I actually feel like I'm back in love with you. Mm -hmm. And I've been showing that too. Kind of annoyingly, but I'd rather. Well, I'd rather you show that than be so I know, hard. but like the one time I remember, this is just like story time, I guess, but <laughs> like when we were at this little carnival thing and I was like giving you kisses on your cheek mm-hmm. and you were kind of like, wow, what's that about? Yeah. Right? I was shocked. I was and like, really, it was kind of like, I don't know. I just felt really, I just, the last couple of weeks, I just feel really, really connected to her. Mm-hmm. And I feel like our marriage is really good. Maybe it's because I feel like my patience is so, is really been good. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't know. I, I'm trying to find wood to knock on so that it doesn't get bad again. But like, <laughs> <laughs> but like, it's just been really, really easy almost. 
Right. Yeah, it's very, it's very, it reminds me of what it was before we had kids. Yeah. And before we each had PTSD and all the things. And actually, to not to cut you off, it's okay. But I actually almost felt some jealousy the other day because I saw somebody checking you out. What? Yeah. No, they didn't. They did. And so then I was like, but to feel that again, I was like, whoa, I'm getting feelings back. (laughs) that's embarrassing that's my girl okay what i mean it's true but yeah but yeah oh my word i can't believe you said that (laughs) okay back to the topic back to the topic but in all honesty though like this is the hardest time i think dealing with ptsd and even addictions are like the hardest times of your life to be honest yeah um because nobody plans or wants these things. No, and no. it's like, it's so frustrating to be going through it when you can't have control of it too. And I think, um, I will say this, we don't want to get this one too long, but alcoholism, a lot of people think it's a choice. Mm, yes. And Good I point. think, and I might be wrong, people might disagree with me, but I think... Yes, it's a choice because you're putting it into your body, right? So you pick the beer up or whatever. You open Mm -hmm. the beer. You drink it. The physical act of drinking alcohol is a choice. But I think the whole disorder is not a choice. That's a great – that's a great viewpoint. Wow. Okay. No, seriously, because I agree with you. Not all – not all – addictions like that or whatnot are well it's just because that guy can't handle it like that guy can't just stop drinking Mm -hmm. you know just like why can't you just stop but to your point that's really really good so that's why i think it's super important and you'll hear me say this all the time is you got to get into therapy yeah yeah like i can't even tell you jason now goes weekly he was going monthly and i said Absolutely not. Like things are not working. You need to go weekly because I, and I just can base it on myself and I, we're two totally different cases here. Cause if you've listened to our podcast, you can, you know that, but if you haven't, we're totally two different cases. And I was like, I went every day, every week, if not two times a week for the first six months. And then after that, it was weekly then it was bi-weekly and then it was monthly. And then, you know, it just kind of as needed. It kind of, yeah, as needed. And it's because I learned a lot in that time and I needed to talk about it with somebody I trusted. So find somebody you can talk to about it. Addictions too. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think it's a good idea that I and maybe that's why I'm feeling better too, is that I've been going now weekly. Yeah. You know. Um, but like, don't be afraid to, because I was the of the same thing. Like, I'm not going to talk to somebody about this stuff. Whereas, <laughs> like, I think women who are dealing with it, even first responders, though, like, and, and veterans and all that kind of stuff, women are a different breed than a normal woman that's, like, an accountant, right? Because they were called into that line of service. Mm-hmm. Right. So whether it be military or EMS or police, like whatever, um, 
they're different. They're wired a little bit different. So like they still have that pride in them that says, I don't want to look weak. Especially in a male's career. Right. In a men's. I mean, I enjoyed working with men all the time because it wasn't so much drama, to be <laughs> honest. Yeah. But kind of. Well, <laughs> but, it wasn't girl caddy drama. Right, right. Yeah. And I was just like, mm, I don't want to deal with yeah. that. But like, don't be afraid to go in because I was the same way. I was like, I don't want to go get help. So I like give tons of props and praise to uh, Danielle because I was super, I'm blessed that she made me go in and talk to, uh, talk to a psychologist, like talk to a therapist. She's really been a really good driver of how I need to operate through this. Unfortunately, it's because she went through. Mm-hmm. But anyway, yeah. So thank you, Danielle. Oh, you're welcome. For the compliments today. Maybe you do really love me again. I do. I never have stopped. I know. It's just uh, it's been, yeah, seasons of life when we have three Married kids. Married people understand. Yeah, they all do. And if you're not, get ready because there'll be seasons. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good, though. Yep. Okay, so that's going to wrap up our PTSD addiction slash alcoholism. Um, we'd love to hear your stories. We've been getting a lot of people reaching out to us saying thank you so much for um, sharing these types of things. And it needs to be talked about more and all the things. So, um, and also, um, people have been giving us ideas too. Yes. Yeah. So don't be afraid to send us ideas on mm-hmm. like what, what you would want to hear, like from our side, or we've actually started to think about bringing on people to share their stories too. And interviewing them. Yep. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, the, the podcast is growing, so thank you for everyone who's listening, mm-hmm. um, and we we really appreciate it, and this is something that I think really needs to continue to get out to people. Yeah. So thank you, everyone. Yes. So as always, you can find us on, I think it's, I know what it is. Spotify? At, well, yeah, but I was going to say the Kingdom Killers Instagram. Oh. Is at Kingdom Killers. Um and then Facebook. I share, yeah, and it's on Facebook too. I share weekly um, trainings and different things with PTSD on my personal account. Um, and it's Danielle underscore Woggy, two A's, one G, one E. I have to say that forever because everyone spells it wrong. Oh, yeah, like they knew how to do Geski. Okay, they did. <laughs> they did better. Um, but anyways, so that's where you can find us too. Um, also there is star reviews and all that. So please just give your honest and fair review of the shows, um, because that's what, you know, keeps us being able to do this. And then I don't know if you know how podcasts work, but all this stuff is like, um, free like we don't get paid or anything like this but the more people that download and listen we get brought up more to the top of like um viewership yeah or like we're um how do i say this like when you search something and then it would go up to the top as if we have more people involved in it so please share um our goal here is to just talk about it and hopefully save lives and um kind of make it more of a mainstream topic and communication yeah 
um, than it has been because we've seen the failure in the system for that. So. Absolutely. That's a great way to put it. Oh, failure in the system. Failure. It is. Yep. It is. All right. All right. We love you all. Have a good night and bye.